Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to episode 349 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you much earlier than usual on a Sunday afternoon. It's May 15th at like 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Basically, my co-host just had lunch. It's 12.30, and there's already a game that happened on this Sunday. Hello, Scott Coleman. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Brad. Always good to be on with you, buddy. Uh, a little weird being out on the West Coast. It was an 8.35 a.m., <laughs> First pitch this morning. I, I don't. I think that's a new one on the bingo card. One of Eric's bingo cards, I guess, of eight thirty in the morning. First pitch, um, but doing all right. And uh, it was a. It was an interesting week for the Braves, and and certainly a lot to talk about. Yeah, I should have done some research on this. I wonder if this was the earliest first pitch that they've had uh, in a long time. You know, sometimes they do those like twelve thirty-five Eastern, like Wednesday games or whatever, the, the getaway day games. But 11.35 a.m., um, barring the, uh, what was it, Patriots Day game in Boston yeah, they do every yeah. year, barring one of those, uh, this is about as early as, as early as it gets. But, yeah, kind of a weird morning, and uh, because of that, we wanted to record early. And predictably, after you and I exchanged texts, and I, I, I said a tweet about it, we knew it was going extra innings today, and that was the yeah. foregone conclusion that happened. Unfortunately, the Braves were on the wrong side of that one, and we'll come back to this as we always do, but a two and three week overall is disappointing to be sure. Uh, 16 and 19 overall for the season. Also, not what you want. Uh, a 74 win pace for the Atlanta Braves. Not what you want to see after 35 games. And as we record this in the afternoon on Sunday, the May 15th, they are seven games back of the Mets. Could be seven and a half games if the Mets were to win. They're actually winning as we speak, I believe, five to four. So, uh, Broadly speaking, Scott, uh, this, as Eric and I talked about last week, you know, nothing is a must win this early in the season, but we kind of thought it would be a pretty decent chance to make a statement this week and kind of go, maybe go four and one. And they went two and three. So not what you want to see at this point. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating to be certain. Uh, they played a lot of close games this week and to be two and three, especially against a Red Sox team that I think came into the series with the second worst record in the American league. They have been struggling badly. And of course, it was just the two game series and you split. So it's not terrible. Uh, But man, you look at the Padres series this weekend, especially Sunday's game, um, just so many self-inflicted wounds and errors. This team just uh, a couple of people have tweeted similar things. This team just cannot get out of its own way, whether it's misplaying routine ground balls, not catching like Matt Olson had a ball that was at his chest that he just whiffed on entirely today. Like a, a play that a high school would kid would make, and, and that's just, a goal. That's a goal glove caliber first baseman too. It's not like it's Marcelo Zuna doing that. It's Mouse right. is good. <laughs> he is. He is. Yeah, like the genuinely good defensive player. He had another bad play and error on Saturday afternoon um, on just a routine grounder. Austin Riley had a really tough weekend. I mean, even Dansby Swanson, who 
has been graded out as the best defensive shortstop and maybe just defensive player in general this season. He had a throwing error this afternoon that led to some problems. So it's just one thing after another. It's been the theme through six weeks of the year. And at some point you have to hope that the defending world champs start to figure it out a little bit, but uh, it's middle of May. And and I always think, and I think you feel similarly that Memorial day tends to be when you can really evaluate a team and start to see what might be real and what might just be a fluke. Um, but man, it was a, uh, it was a frustrating week to be sure. Yeah. And basically unless they go, you know, 10 and O in the next 10 before Memorial day, uh, it's going to not be what you want at Memorial day. Even if they have a strong week next week or whatever uh, in advance of Memorial day, it's going to be uh, a challenge for sure. And that's not like a hard and fast rule. You know, famously last year, they were not very good. And then they were very good almost, almost overnight. So things could change. But the losses still count as you stack them up. And we'll get into all of that later. In fact, we'll probably spend more time on Sunday than we normally would on one game because it's obviously kind of a weird game. It's also Sunday, so there's no daily hammer to talk about it. And shouts to Sean uh, for doing all of the day-to-day stuff for us as well as Road to Atlanta with Eric and friends. But, um, yeah, a lot to get to, as always. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard to the podcast. Uh, not the greatest time, probably, to do that. Uh, so our apologies for that. But please subscribe to this podcast wherever you find podcasts. And uh, it's three podcasts for the price of one, uh, and that price is $0. So. Uh, as for the news for the week, before we get into some results, uh, let's just say not great injury stuff um, for the Braves. Uh, Ronald Acuna had an MRI on Saturday. Uh, the positive side of that is that there was no structural damage, uh, but he's he's missed the last four games in a row. We'll see if he plays on Monday, um, but not uh, not what you want for, for a guy coming off of the major injury, you know, uh, on the bright side, not his knee, but at the same time, uh, I've kind of know this for the NBA, especially it's not always the same, but anytime you have a major injury and it can sort of impact, even if indirectly your soft tissue in particular, like, uh, you know, clearly the groin injury is not necessarily quote unquote tied to a knee issue, but when a guy comes back, you know, earlier than anticipated, um, he's obviously a physical marvel in a lot of ways, but, um, that can be a small factor. It could be some kind of factor and maybe you're overcompensating or whatever, but regardless, um, we'd all be guessing on that, but regardless he's missed, you know, he missed most of this week. And when your best player, your face, the franchise guy has a weird, um, issue where he he said definitively on Friday night, I'll play on Saturday. And they didn't play on Saturday and he didn't play on Sunday. That kind of that, that kind of false start is a little bit scary. The MRI was good results on the on the bright side. But uh you know you want you want to breaking news here, Scott. You need Ronald Acuna to be playing baseball for this team to be as good as it possibly can be and he's not been playing for a few days now. Yeah, it's concerning. Thankfully, as you noted, the MRI came back clean. Um there was no apparent play. I, I don't think I've seen like a definitive moment where the groin started to to hurt. Um, He had a little bit of an adventure out in the outfield against the Red Sox. He had a couple of plays where he had to run back to the warning track. And there was one play that, that stuck out to me definitively where I think clearly some PTSD uh, settled in a little bit for Ronald because he, he pulled up at the last minute, he was trying to run down a ball in the warning track. And um, you know, maybe it was that play. There was an at bat too, where he, uh, fouled a pitch off and he just didn't look very comfortable after that. Uh, but hopefully this is going to be something where he's able to come back this week against uh, the Brewers. They, they have a game on Monday. So of course they will uh, we're 24 hours away from knowing whether or not he's going to play again. Um, it is good news that, that it's not the knee. Thank goodness. Again, it's, it's easy to forget. He is a cyborg, but he's only nine months removed from major reconstructive knee surgery. Um, it's uh, you just have to hope for the best with Ronald because 
as we know, if this team is going to, it's still early, but if they're going to make up some ground and, and be at their very best, as you said, uh, they need Ronald healthy and let's hope this is just some, uh, some rust as, as we knew they were going to be careful with him early on. They probably expected him to have, uh, you know, a, a minor soreness or a minor injury as, as he has not played competitively in quite some time. And you just hope the groin gets better and he's back to himself soon. Yeah, it felt like they were giving him just an extra day, typical Brave style on Saturday. Um, and then he had an MRI. And I was like, oh, okay, they think it might be something else. Um, and clearly it's not at this point. But um, if he plays Monday, everyone will sort of exhale if he looks like himself. And if he doesn't, um, the alarm bells will go off. Um, there was a little bit of a, of a push-pull on that this week. But, you know, he's been he's been good when he's played. He's running. He's got five stolen bases. He's got two home runs. He is, you know, he's hitting. He is striking out a lot, but he's also walking a lot. So no real concerns there. He looks like himself for the most part, but uh, he has to be playing to uh, contribute in the way that they want him to be. So we'll see on that. And then uh, more of a long-term issue, obviously not quite as impactful, but certainly this is a few days old now, but because we have talked about this on the uh, flagship pod, uh, Manny Pena is out for the season. And uh, certainly it is a loss that is less of a loss for the Braves than it would be for a lot of teams because they have William Contreras. And as we've discussed ad nauseum on the show, the Braves having a ton of catching depth is a luxury and they've been good at catcher for a long time in part because of they've been able to sort of cobble together two to three guys every year that can contribute. But Manny Pena was brought in for insurance and brought in for depth and uh, really is kind of like a borderline starting level catcher that was cast as a number two guy for the Braves. Um, it's ligament damage in his wrist. He only played in five games. And he's a little bit, he's kind of, you know, interestingly on the older side. And uh, I'll let you weigh in on uh, just the loss in general. But I think there's a pretty interesting sort of look ahead with this that we won't spend too much time on. But uh, given his age, given Contreras, given the contracts for Darno and Pena, I am really intrigued to see what happens even next year with Manny Pena. Not that he's going to be washed up necessarily, but a guy that uh, is signed for next season, but may not have a, a spot to come back to. Kind of a weird situation. Yeah, it's, it's a real bummer. I think um, when they signed Manny Pena, he was, if not the first, one of the first guys to be signed this offseason, um, a veteran catcher. But as we saw very well last year, um, catcher is a fragile position. It has a high injury rate. Um, Travis Darno, as good as he is whenever he is out there, has a pretty extensive injury history. And I'll, I'll touch on that in a moment. But um, it's, it's a loss to be sure. I mean, he is the backup catcher. I don't want to over-exaggerate this here, but, um, you know, really to me, the, the biggest impact was uh, besides the fact that now William Contreras is going to have a chance to play fairly regularly at the big league level is that you are now essentially an injury away for mm -hmm. Darno from being in the exact same situation that you were in last season with, with Kevin Smith and friends. You're right. I, I mean, Kevin Smith, didn't they bring in Jonathan Lucroy for like, for five, like minutes? five minutes? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. And now let's hope that William has made some progressions. I hope that Travis doesn't get hurt quite obviously, um, but he's a, a veteran himself. You hope that he's able to, to avoid the injured list. Um, it's an opportunity for William, but again, the depth, it's amazing how it's kind of like starting pitching depth with catcher. You feel good about your depth and then you, you blink and close your eyes for a moment. And then all of a sudden you're down a couple and you go, man, let's hope everybody else stays healthy because if not, you can get into a bad situation pretty quickly. Yeah. And um, because it's catcher, you know, we're not trying to scare anyone. And clearly the Braves are set up to withstand this better than most teams. Contreras being your third, I think we've been says on the show in the last few weeks, like Contreras as a third catcher is a huge luxury, but now he's your second catcher and that's fine. 
But uh, in terms of your, you know, your depth behind that is what Chadwick, Chadwick Trump is your third guy. If you need him, he's, he's in Gwinnett right now. Um, so yeah, there is a drop yeah. off there. And, you know, famously, uh, we'll come back to this later on, but uh, Eric and I were skeptical, especially Eric, who uh, I think was uh, happy to be wrong about this. We thought there was no way Snit was going to actually DH Contreras when he was the backup catcher. And he actually did that twice this week, which I was, in, I was intrigued by, maybe three times this week. Uh, but I don't know what the plan is to get him in the lineup. Does that, as well, does that only happen because Ronnie was not playing? I think maybe that was part of it too. Um, I don't want to see Contreras limited to just a catching, you know, catching twice a week and nothing else situation, which might happen. Um, I don't know. We'll see on that. But in terms of what I teased a second ago of, of for next year, you know, Pena is owed $4 million for 23. And that's, that's a fine salary. That's a contract that I liked, a mood that I liked when they signed him. Uh, and Darno is also under contract. So, you know, unless Contreras just kind of has a weirdly bad season that I don't expect to happen, like, I don't know what you do. I mean, I, I know what you don't do, and that's uh, just, and that's Barry Contreras. Um, but if he is going to catch, you know, I have three guys for next year, one of which is, by the way, Manny Pena will be 35 in a couple weeks. He'll be turning 36 pretty early next season in the middle of the season, which isn't like, you know, he doesn't have to be done, but like there's a chance Manny Pena doesn't play, with the, doesn't play for the Braves anymore after this. Um, I'm not sure about that, but they, uh, at the very least, it's a minimal decision on the grand scale. But uh, one of those guys probably isn't back next year in terms yeah. of Darno, Pena and Contreras. And, uh, you know, we'll see. But this is sort of a, an early salvo in that direction. Yeah, we'll see. It's a reasonable four million bucks. So if if Contreras has the good season that we're we're optimistic about, I'm sure you could find someone to take Manny if if oh, there's yeah. just no room for him next year. Uh, he might again, start though, for some teams, man. I'm telling you, like he, he would be a starting caliber guy for like ten teams in the league. Yeah, no, he he was a really solid catcher last year with Milwaukee. Uh, we saw him even a little bit in the NLDS. Um, it, it's unfortunate though. Clearly the Braves learned their lesson. Uh, and I don't know if you can, nobody can plan for injuries for the most part, right? Like unless you have someone who is just chronically injured, it, you're never going to be able to predict who's going to get hurt, who's going to get, stay healthy. Um, but with catcher, clearly the organization values depth. Um, maybe they maybe we'll see what, what ultimately happens with Pena, but it is certainly a blow to the depth for this season. Um, it does give William Contreras a chance to, catch probably two days a week and maybe DH one day a week. I like that. I like the idea of bringing him along slowly. I think he's someone as he is continuing to learn how to navigate the big leagues defensively and, and big league pitching. Um, he has all kinds of raw power, but as, as the word gets out on him, pitchers are going to learn how to attack him a little bit more. And, and that's an, an adjustment that William's going to need to make. Uh, the idea of him starting two or three times a week, I think is a good way to, get him some real exposure to the league without throwing him into a situation. And let's hope it doesn't come to this where he's being asked to play you know, six games a night or six games a night, six nights a week. <laughs> uh, because then I think that that's asking a lot of a young kid. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And like, honestly, if you want to look at, you know, just the, you can't plan for injuries thing, look at the outfield this year for the Braves so far. I mean, when you factor in Eddie Rosario, uh, not being able to play and then Ronnie not being able to play consistently so far um, they've had to go and granted it's worked out for them, but they've had to go to, they've had to go to Travis Demerit, who was like on absolutely no one's radar this year for the Atlanta Braves. Like he was not supposed to be part of the plan for the outfield this year and he's played well, but like, that's a good reminder of like things could spiral out of control. Um, if you have a couple injuries and the sort of cluster injuries in one spot, um, catcher can be kind of the worst case scenario of that because you can't just like fake catcher. Like you have to play someone that, that can actually catch. You can't just stick uh, a utility guy at catcher <laughs> like you can in the outfield. So, right. Right. Uh, well, and there's just, 
as we have documented on this podcast for years, longtime listeners will know the catcher, the bar at catcher is so low. Like there's just, there's like on a handful, you can count the number of genuinely good catchers around the league. The the longevity is not necessarily there. Yeah. it's, It's just such a difficult position to play at the highest of levels. It really is. And uh, yeah, hopefully that won't matter. Hopefully those two guys will be able to navigate the season. But uh, the smart money, if I had to say just uh, objectively, would be that either Darno or Contreras has an injury at some point in the next uh, four and a half months. Like that's just what happens. Like even if it's like a five day injury, someone's going to be hurt. That's <laughs> one of those guys. <laughs> like I can't imagine. I mean, maybe I can. I'm saying uh, it's a it's more likely than not that one of them will miss a few games in the next yeah. four months. So we'll see what they do from there. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's Trump time uh, behind, yeah, behind the plate. Chadwick Trump, the man. He's uh, he is hitting well in Gwinnett at least. I guess that's he is off to uh, a strong start for the Strikers. Right so, there we go. Uh, as we, uh, I'm sure you'll hear all about that on Road to Atlanta. Um, okay, uh, let's take a break now. We'll come back talk about the results from this week, which again, as we said before, were not great at two and three. But uh, we'll get back to all of that in a moment. First, a word from our sponsors on the show. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Scott. Uh, let us talk about the Boston series, which was a mini series, two game series. Uh, Kyle Wright finally had a bad start on Tuesday. Granted, he bounced back today, even in a loss that it was not his fault. They lost. Um, he, uh, you know, he was probably due for a bad one. He had about six run inning. He did kind of manage. And I thought this was pretty encouraging um, to not just implode. Obviously, it's a terrible inning, but he came back in and managed to eat a few more innings to kind of save the bullpen a little bit and uh, just kind of wear it a little bit as well. I was encouraged by that. And also, um, I'm not a huge, you know, devour the quotes after the game guy, but I thought his uh, his messaging was good after the game too. Like he was like, all right, you know, kind of it happened. Like I'm a different pitcher now. And I was just, the tone, all of it was pretty good from what, from what I could see and from what I could hear from right, like he seems like he is a different guy. And granted, we, we know he's not going to have like a low one ERA like he did for the first couple weeks of the season, but uh, he does feel like a different guy. And we saw him bounce back today, which is good to see. Yeah. I think the fact that he had that one bad inning and really looking back on that, that one inning, he gave up six runs. So I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, but it started off with two bloop singles. Uh, there was an error from Austin Riley, which became a theme this week. There was an error from Riley that cost him, um, I think he gave up a single and maybe a walk. And then before you knew it, he, he made one bad pitch to Rafael Devers, who is one of the game's top hitters. And you blink and it was six nothing. Uh, so it wasn't like he went out there and gave up three homers in the inning. And it's like, man, this is this is bad. Um, I think you you absolutely nailed it with the fact that Kyle bounced back. He threw another, I think, three more innings after that, saved the bullpen. Um, and as we saw, I know there was some, some freak out on Twitter and I know it's natural to be reactive whenever a young guy starts to struggle all of a sudden. Um, but based on how well he pitched on Sunday afternoon against the Padres, uh, I, I think clearly it was just one bad inning for him and it just continues to build off of all the really good things he's done this season. For sure. Uh, obviously that was the one, 
you know, he, that six run ending was why they lost, or at least part of the reason why they lost that game on Tuesday, nine to four. They kind of punted late. Uh, this is a very typical conversation that we always have. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the whole thing now. Uh, I did not love going to Thornburg in the ninth down two. Um, and for me, it was the logical consistency of it all because they actually used Minter, who had been incredible uh, before that, even uh, in the eighth down two, which I actually, I kind of liked that. I was like, oh, they're trying to win this thing. And then Nothing changed, and they brought in Thornburg in the ninth. And I was like, okay, maybe they're not trying to win. <laughs> uh, not that it was Thornburg's terrible or anything, but he was obviously bad in that inning. Uh, I just thought it was notable to me. Again, it's just kind of a typical uh, snicker leverage question mark that we always talk about, but uh, it was notable to me on Tuesday. Yeah, if we're looking for a positive on this frustrating week, uh, AJ Minter has been a dude. Like oh, yeah. he he is taking souls out there. He is on his way, or at least through the first six weeks, is pitching as well as he has ever pitched. Uh, he has a out. he has a 1.72 ERA right now and a yeah. sub one FIP. Yeah, I mean he's he's striking guys out. He's not walking people. He's not giving up home runs. There was a great stat. I think AJ's only given up like two home runs over the last couple of years combined. Um, he has that cutter working. He's he's pounding the zone. He has been really really good early on, and we knew how good this bullpen could be. And really, the bullpen as a whole, I think, has been good. Um, the, the the metrics really like it. I think they're top five in basically every statistical category there is. Uh, but A.J. Minter, uh, as well as, as Kenley Jansen, who I think has flown under the radar a little bit, uh, those two guys have been as good as anyone across the league. Uh, here we are in the middle of May. Yeah, to your point, at this very second on Fangraphs, the Braves' bullpen is number one in Major League Baseball in war. Now, that's it's a small sample size, all things considered. And they're not number one in ERA. They're like in the top, you know, five, six, seven. But number one in war when you factor in the workload, the peripherals, all that stuff, they have been good as a unit, as you would expect. Um, Minter being the uh, the star of that. And uh, I know I said ERA a second ago. Minter has 23 strikeouts and two walks this year. That'll work. That'll play. Because uh, you know when Minter's bad, it's because he loses the strike zone. That's when, uh, when he famously lost it in 2019 and had to get sent down. He couldn't throw strikes. And when he throws strikes, he's uh, difficult to hit, let's just say. Okay. Um, from there, uh, Wednesday was more fun. Uh, Ronnie, of course, sat. And they actually hit Dansby leadoff in that game. Uh, Anderson, you and I exchanged messages. Uh, the numbers did not tell you how bad Anderson looked at times on Wednesday. Uh, obviously, they won the game. He did not look good to me or you, I believe, not to speak for you, but we did, we did talk on Wednesday. Um, it didn't like implode, which was good to see, but uh, basically nothing happened in this game after the third inning. In fact, it was three, three after three innings and nobody, and nobody else scored until the ninth, which is a little bit of a, of, of a scene, but did you worry about Anderson at all? Or was just kind of a, kind of a meh start for you? Yeah. I want to talk about Ian a little bit because if you look at his profile, everything is, is trending in the wrong direction. Uh, strikeouts are down, walks are up, home runs are up. And he was somebody who famously in the minor leagues, like never gave up home runs for the most yep. part. Um, and when he debuted, he didn't give up a ton of homers either. Um, so if you're walking guys and you're giving up home runs, uh, if you're striking out a bunch, I, I think you can kind of survive. Is that because you're getting those automatic outs with strikeouts, right? Like you're not going to get hurt. Um, but so far he has a 4.2 ERA and he's being saved because his, his batting average on balls in play against is only 253. If that normalizes and goes back up to like 290 or 300, unless he suddenly stops walking people, I, I think there's some real concern. Um, it's just six starts and 30 innings, but his FIP sits at 4.99 X FIP is at 4.56. 
he just has not been sharp. He's not getting a ton of swings and misses. Um, I, I don't think there's a reason for like, you know, full scale alarm bells here because it's not like he's getting, uh, you know, he's not, he's not getting blown out of games in the third inning every night. Uh, but Ian is, has not been very sharp early on. You just have to hope that he figures it out. And thankfully the way that Kyle Wright has come on and, and it seems like Charlie Morton has found his mojo a little bit, uh, they can kind of slot Ian down as their fourth and, and get away with it. Uh, but he has not been impressive to me, at least through the first couple of couple weeks here. No, and I think that even at times last year was not quite like this, but there were some, especially in the regular season, there were some times where he was not terribly impressive last year as well. Um, he's basically been a replaceable level pitcher this year. His uh, his his combined, I think he's uh, yeah zero point zero WAR for Fangraphs, so obviously right at replaceable level, and then zero point two for Baseball Reference. It's six starts, so like he's you know he's on pace for you know one or less, and that's not what you want either. Uh, you talked about the peripherals. You're right. I, I think that the eye test backs it up too. He's not looked particularly crisp to me. I'm not super worried in terms of like panicking, but it's worth acknowledging that uh, his peripheral stuff is just kind of, it's troubling, uh, especially, especially the, the walk rate being up, strike rate being down uh, that combination. It's, it's very simplified to talk about like, like that, but uh, you know, after his 2020, you know, ridiculousness when he was incredible, uh, he's been pretty average ever since. So worth noting. Uh, yeah. And, and his, you know, we, we've joked and, and honestly, it's amusing because the Braves tend to win like his playoff starts. He is like a postseason legend just for how yeah. he like doesn't give up runs in the postseason. But again, we laugh because he'll leave a game like famously he had the no hitter and he was out after what, five innings. I think it was because he had thrown like 90 some odd pitches already. Well, his, 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 uh, his just as an example to that last year in the playoffs, his bad whip allowed was 190. Like he, he got, he got fairly lucky. Yeah. The and Hey man, okay. like, you know what, if he wants to go out and throw five shaky scoreless innings for the rest of his career, right? like, yeah. obviously he would be in the hall of fame. I mean, his ERA um, is 1.26 in the playoffs. Like no one's arguing with how, with how effective he's been, but the peripherals do not back that up. Now who cares? It doesn't matter. But uh, you know, it's, if you look at his, uh, if you just cover up the, the ERA tab, and look at everything else in the playoffs, even it's like, oh, this is not that impressive. Oh, 1.23 area. It's like right, a welcome right. surprise. And at the end of the day, on the mound, you have one goal. Don't allow the other team to score. Correct. And if if you do that, all, all is forgiven. Uh, I think what the point we're trying to convey is, is that on a results basis, he has not been great through six starts. And again, it's only six starts here. Um, I think his velocity is down a little bit as well. Not, not alarmingly so, but he, of course, had the drop in velocity last year with the shoulder issue. I think it's down a little bit this season. Um, so you just, if you're the Braves, again, I, I don't think there's any panic here. You just have to hope that as the weather warms up and as Ian settles in, you just hope that he starts to strike out guys a little bit more, give up a few, a uh, few less walks and, and keep the ball in the yard. Yeah. Last thing here, I'll was, I was just pull up his stat cast profile and he's basically below average in almost everything right now. Um, the only thing that he's been good at is uh, avoiding barrels and, and getting, and getting whiffs. Um, his chase rate is about average. He's well below average strikeout, strikeout weight, uh, walk rate, um, uh, expected WOBA, all that stuff. Hard hit rate is uh, not very good this year. X velocity allowed, not very good this year. So yeah, I mean, there's some cause for not necessarily huge concern, but some, uh, some questions, uh, is what we'll probably leave that with for now. Uh, the one bright spot in the Boston series was the walk-off win. On Wednesday, uh, funny on a number of levels. Obviously, uh, Arcia has been very good this year at the plate, which makes me laugh on some level. Uh, after we, after the way that I talked about him a lot, this is the first and only to this point walk off one of the season for the Braves. Um, and also, he was DHing on Wednesday. 
always a crowd pleaser. Uh, and also Stephen Tolbert, our friend from Battery Power, tweeted at me earlier in the day about a feeling he had about Arcia. This is, uh, this is in public. And also Arcia, between April 24th and Wednesday, had one plate appearance. <laughs> he went to the plate once in two plus weeks. And then, of course, he, he, he DHs on Wednesday and hits a walk-off. Baseball. Do you, do you ever think the guys like in the Million Dollar Clubhouse ever like put on our podcast and just like write no. notes about I'm going to spite Brad Rowland. No, I do, I do not know. I do not. Uh, but I do think that would be very either. funny. Uh, plus, I mean, they might have they might have seen the uh, Matt Olson video that you were featured on. Um, that, that's possible. That's right. Yes. It's, please refer to me as MLB Network correspondent Scott Coleman from here on out. Brad, I forgot to mention that. Uh, uh, I, by the way, I think I actually said that on the last podcast with Eric. I think I actually might have said that you texted me that exact thing uh, yeah. on the show. But no, uh, all that said, it was just a funny moment um, just because, you know, just as we always say, but one more time, uh, even though uh, I have staked my claim and uh, I still believe RC is not a very good hitter because there's no reason to believe that he is, uh, we still want him to do well. That, that's one of the things about the podcast. Like we, we want to be wrong when it benefits the team generally. And uh, Arcia hitting, it was funny, but also like they needed that win pretty badly. And he had, he had the walk-off hit. So uh, shouts to, shouts to Arcia for that one. He, uh, you know what? He has a role on this team. As you noted, he's really just not going to play a ton short of, of injury. But hey, he has some raw power. Uh, had a big hit on Wednesday night, the walk-off, which the team really needed, especially sandwiched between back-to-back off days. They had the off day Monday and Thursday. If they would have lost both of those Red Sox games, it would have just been a just a bad taste in, I think, all of our mouths. So it was a big swing for Arcia. And uh, if he can provide any kind of value as the, I don't know, 24th man on the roster, then you take it all the time. Yeah, and he uh, just is a can't, can't predict ball moment. At this very moment of uh, – yeah, he, he currently leads the Braves in WRC plus in the season. Just how we all drew it up, Scott. Never in one, doubt. One, 153. Uh, it is it is four it is 41 plate appearances. So I I am ten, I, I would tend to trust the 2000 before that more than those, but hey, uh, it's happening. From there, the weekend series was not a lot of fun. Uh, I will say Saturday was kind of fun. Uh, but Friday night and Sunday, maybe it's that the Braves just hate these uh, exclusive windows because Friday night was the Apple TV game and Sunday was the Peacock game. Um, I know people don't look, people don't did, did not love that. But we thought I saw on social media, which I understand. Um, but Friday night, uh, kind of a helpful swing toward the Braves early-ish in the game when Will Myers had just dropped the baseball and then Dansby bombed uh, for the lead. And then from there, nothing else went well, basically. All four guys that pitched in the game were charged with at least two earned runs, not even just one, at least two earned runs. Will Smith had a bad weekend. Um, I don't know. It was a, it was not that bad of a loss in some respects, but they did kind of, they, they did lead briefly in the middle of the game. And then it was just all downhill from there. Yeah. Again, it just, it was just yet another game where it's like, man, how do these guys just keep finding ways to shoot themselves in the foot? Like it, it seemed like they were on their way, you get the big home run to take the lead. And then everything kind of crumbles very quickly, kind of crumbled too with Will Smith. He is another guy who I think on a, a results basis, he has been okay before this weekend. And then some of the, the underlying stuff that there was some cause for concern started to rear its ugly head. Uh, we knew last year that Will had the real problem with home runs. It has continued again this season. Um, it's and, and it's it, so funny because his numbers look fine again. <laughs> they do. His ERA is under four. And like, I mean, it's not that he's been fantastic, but uh, I think, yeah, he's allowing almost a home run per three innings, which is yep. not uh, a ratio that you want. And like, I, I don't want to speak for everyone. And again, we're talking about 
World Series champion Will Smith here. But like, does anyone feel good when Will Smith comes out of the bullpen? Well, I, I just got. I feel well, great other than you, Bradley, does anyone? I mean, I I have low confidence. I mean, no, I, I'm I'm actually, I'm, of course, I'm kidding because uh, was maybe the last Will Smith defender, and it worked out okay in the playoffs. But yeah, no, I, yeah. I don't have a lot of faith most of the time. I don't think he's terrible either. But I, I think that no. we're back in that like Luke. You remember when Luke Jackson had that season where? we were defending him like all year. It was like three years ago, two years ago when yeah, he was, yeah. he was the closer and he had, he had a bunch of bad, a bunch of bad luck. And his ERA was like five. We're like, guys, look at this. He's not this bad. And uh, I think we were right about that, but it wasn't like we were saying he was incredible either. And that's kind of how I felt about Will Smith and how I felt about Will Smith for a long time. Like yeah. even last year I was trying to get his back. Cause he, I don't think he was that as bad as, as people thought he was, but it's been a roller coaster. Like this is not the guy they wanted when they signed him. I think, I think objectively barring yeah. the playoffs last year where he was, Awesome in the playoffs. Right. right. Uh, I mean, basically everything went well at the playoffs, as we talked about <laughs> a lot on this podcast. A lot of things went well for the Braves in the playoffs. But yeah, aside from that month, he has been a decent reliever, but not someone that should be making $13 million a year, essentially. No. no. And let me ask you this, Brad. So clearly, I mean, Kenley Jansen has been great in the yes. ninth. And we we just talked about how good AJ Minter has been. Minter has been genuinely one of the best relievers in the game. But so let's say those are your your clear top two. Who do you have the third most confidence in in this bullpen right now? Because Tyler Matzik is is not off it's to a not good him start. right now. Yeah, um, you know Spencer Strider has been really good though. I don't know he's been just he's in a unique role. Like he's really not pitching in a lot of like one inning late scenarios like a lot of these guys. Um, Colin McHugh is it's always seems like it's a little bit of an adventure with him. But... He, he would be my, I think he's my answer just to, yeah. since you brought him up. Uh, he'd be my answer both for track record sake and because uh, it's kind of funny because he, I think he's the outright like five for the season, Yeah, yeah. but his peripherals are incredible. Like he yep. looks incredible. His, his stat cast profile looks like um, Mariano Rivera. Like it's just incredible looking everything except for fastball velocity. He's like in the 85th percentile or better. Like yeah. I, I, I just think, Colin Yuku is very good based on, you know, four years basically of sample. So I think I would lean to him because, you know, me, I, I tend to like the larger sample sizes. I, I understand people that maybe not have watched him previously and just see his ERA and some of the adventures he's been on this year would be a little bit worrisome. I, I do get that, but uh, I think he is good. I'm pretty confident yeah. he's good. So, yeah, I do too. And like, similarly, like Darren O'Day, he, he's been fine on a results basis. I mean, he has a four one five ERA, but his metrics are better. But like I, again, I I don't feel super confident when Darren O'Day comes out. Um, Tyler Thornburg hasn't pitched a ton. His numbers are similar to O'Day's. Um, Jackson Stevens has been okay. I mean, he, he threw a scoreless tenth on Sunday, which is like impossible for a Braves reliever. And then of course uh, they got a hold of him in the eleventh. But, but really, I mean, it was. I will come back to this, but I don't think it was his fault. Like I think he was, no, I think no. I think he was pretty decent today. It just it didn't end well for him. But yeah, right, right. So it's it's interesting. The bullpen as a whole rates out really, really well. But as I think as we're talking here, we have complete confidence in Kenley and AJ Minter, and you feel good-ish when Colin McHugh is out there. But everyone else, you don't feel amazing about. And hopefully, Tyler Matzik gets back to where he was. He I think uh, just mechanically, I'm guessing he has something a little wrong. Uh, Will Smith, who we just documented. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting bullpen, right? And you don't want to, you don't want to be spoiled because again, statistically, it's like as good of a bullpen as there is. Um, but it's just been an interesting group through the first month and a half. Uh, I totally agree. Um, and it's still a strength. I do believe that, but uh, it's not necessarily been 
exactly what we thought it was going to be for the most part. So it's worth keeping an eye on. Um, I guess we'll spend some time now on Saturday and Sunday briefly. Saturday, a lot of fun. Sunday, less so. Um, they, they changed the lineup on Saturday, which was interesting. And they kind of changed it back on Sunday. So I'm not really sure what the impetus was. Usually when you see a lineup change from someone like Snicker and you win the game, you don't change it back. <laughs> and he did the next day. Uh, he, he Riley hit sixth on Saturday, which was a little bit interesting to me. And Albies hit third. Um, anyway, Morton, I think for me, the biggest actual takeaway from Saturday is that Morton looked good. Um, and Morton for the last two starts has been good again. Uh, I did say like, a week ago, like I wasn't panicking, but I do understand some concern given his age. I think he looks a lot like, more like more like himself, which is uh, a positive. Nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. I think Charlie's found himself. The last time you and I did one of these podcasts together, which was two weekends ago, uh, we were talking about Charlie and, and that was just before he was going to make that start against the Mets where he had some really bad luck early, which was a theme and then he settled in nicely and it was like, okay, maybe Charlie's found something a little bit in a nice start over the weekend. And then I think was really impressive on Saturday against a pretty good Padres lineup. So uh, yeah, if, if there was any concern, I think Charlie's probably put it to bed. He, he's a veteran guy. I've, everyone knows how good he is. Uh, I think it was just a matter of time before everything started to click. And because he's 38 years old, there's always that little bit of, of nervousness that father time might be here, but, um, I, I think everything that we've seen over these last two starts uh, would indicate that that he's back. And and obviously, if the Braves are going to make up some ground in the division and, and start to win games consecutively, which is crazy, they still haven't won three in a row at this Ugh. point in the year. They also haven't lost three in a row, um, which people always point out as well. Um, but quite obviously, Charlie Morton is a is going to play a big role in this team this summer. And and if he's back back, that that's a great sign. Yeah, we certainly agree there. And, you know, we could spend a second on the implosion on Saturday that was then overcome, but they got four in the eighth. Will Smith, again, not great. A couple of errors, um, Olsen and Riley. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think it was looking at it now. Yeah, the Braves had six, had six errors in the series, and uh, it was two each from Swanson, Olsen, and Riley. And Swanson and Olsen are their two best defenders right now. Um, maybe you could throw in Duvall in there, but like, when those guys make errors, you're in trouble. Riley is, of course, always been polarizing with his defense. Uh, some are lower than others. Metrics don't love him. I, I am kind of on the don't love his defense side of things, um, whereas the broadcast makes, makes me think that he's Brooke Robinson sometimes. Um, but I think that, you know, regardless, he had a bad weekend. So did Olsen. So did Dansby defensively. Weird stuff there. Um, and then, but, like, I, know it was, I wish it would have happened yesterday. Uh, sorry, I wish it would have happened today for just, just for the vibes were better for us. But they had kind of a, kind of a throwback comeback. Like they, you know, they kind of felt dead to me when they went down five two on Saturday, and they managed to overcome it all and come back and win. And you know, it's it's a day ago now, and they had a bad loss. Well, not a bad loss, but they had a loss that was frustrating in between. But that was a lot of fun on Saturday. Yeah, it was, and it was it was very 2018 to 2021 Braves. Uh, the way they came back. I mean, the whole rally started with. I think Adam Duvall had a one-out walk, and then Ozzy with two outs and two strikes had a hit to keep it going, and then uh, Marcelo Zuna finally woke up. And, yeah, he's been bad. Yeah, I mean he's been he struggled. Hopefully, he hit the ball well this weekend. Marcel did. Um, he had the big home run to tie it. He had a, a nice day on Sunday as well. Uh, so you just hope that he's able to start coming out of it a little bit. But yeah, and then and then just back-to-back doubles again, all with two outs. Darno and Riley finally broke out. You were hopeful that. Um, really the, the, the four big hitters in the lineup right now are all struggling, which 
it's hard to win games consecutively when your your top four hitters, other than Ronald Acuna, uh, are are not hitting. And there's some really good stats, Brett. I think you wanted to point out on the struggles of of that big four. Um, but yeah. yeah, it was it was a feel good win on on Saturday. Unfortunately, they they didn't follow it up on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, uh, you brought it up now. I think uh, these are all courtesy of our friend Stephen Tolbert, uh, who tweeted these out right before we started recording. But uh, last 24 games, and that includes the home run on Saturday, Ozuna has a 19 WRC plus for basically a month. That's not what you want for the offense only player that he is. And, um, and as a reminder, 100 is average. Yes, that's uh, 19 is very, very bad. Let's just yes. say. Yeah, for anyone uh, not as familiar with yeah. that number, hundred. Thank average, you for doing that. So no, you're right. Nineteen is uh, bad. Nineteen is fans. terrible. Nineteen is like pitcher level bad. Uh, basically, that's you know, unplayable bad. Uh, Ozzy in the last uh, seventeen games as a forty WRC plus. Uh, Adam Duvall, who is famously streaky, um, almost in the way that Dansby is. Um, Duvall has a thirty-eight WRC plus in about a month of play now. So. Those three guys, it's kind of been a crater. And also Riley has been scuffling recently as well. Um, not quite as bad for as long, but Riley's OPS is down to like 800, which is still well above league average this year and still pretty good. But he had this hot start and he's, he's kind of really cooled off the last, I don't know, two, maybe three weeks. And then uh, I mentioned his defense before. Riley's defense, um, the metrics really hate at this moment in time. I know there's a, there's a divide there, but he is currently dead last in Major League Baseball among third basemen and outs above average defensively wow. and wow. Fangraphs also has him as a pretty significant negative uh so i don't know I mean, it's a small sample size and generally defensive metrics and a small sample size are even less reliable than full season metrics so that's all worth noting but uh i think there's a there's, there's a chasm there and if he's going to have that you're you're not going to love it necessarily but i don't worry about his bat by the way uh, even as someone no, who i know is painted no. as being low on him like he's he's good I, I know he's good at baseball uh so i don't worry about him um i do or ozzy really i think ozzy's the guy that just does this sometimes yeah, um he's he's streaky he is not there's some talk this week about that too ozzy doesn't get the publicity that dansby does for being like this super streaky guy but ozzy is every bit he as is. streaky as dansby yeah. now at this point yeah he is i mean and both those guys to their credit do uh remain playable because their defense is good and they do a lot of things well. They can both run, et cetera. Um, you know, Ozzy has been better than Dansby for basically their entire careers, but they are similar in a lot of different ways. And uh, to that point, Dansby's actually been incredible in the last like three plus weeks. He has like a 900 ish o- OPS. His OPS is now 715 for the season, which is not going to sound great, but uh, that's by the way, above average for the season because baseball uh, is way down in offense. Offense is way down in baseball right now, obviously. And also, you, I think you mentioned it earlier, but at the moment, Dansby comfortably leads the entire team in war, and the metrics are absolutely all in on his defense. Um, he leads, I think you said it, but he leads all of baseball in outs above average right now. He's the single best defender in that metric by at the entire league, which is maybe a little bit aggressive, but uh, he's good defensively. And essentially, he's on one of his hot streaks right now. And he had, you know, he had, he had a big hit today, as he does before. He had, he had the home run. Um, and in typical Dansby fashion, it's, it's been a month and a half. He basically had about three weeks of just being absolutely unplayably bad. And then he's had about three weeks of being awesome. Uh, and that's Dansby for you. <laughs> it really is Dansby's entire career. And at least we know, like, whenever he's bad, he's going to be bad. And whenever he's good, he's going to be good. And give it two more weeks, and we'll probably do a podcast about how he's really struggling all of a sudden. And then yeah. two weeks later, we'll say wow, this guy hasn't made an out for, for four games now. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is who he is. And 
Uh, he has he has very much established himself as just a very uh, solid major league shortstop. Again, he's he had a really good week, and we know who Dansby is. He maybe won't ever be that that true star that some pegged him for as the number one pick, but uh, he's had a nice couple of years. And and hey, if he wants to put up a career year as the Braves try to navigate some of these shortcomings that they've had early on, uh, that would certainly help. That would be nice to be sure. Um, so we'll touch on Sunday now. <laughs> Positively, I thought Kyle Wright was quite good today. Um, he had uh, the first run that he allowed was because of the error that Matt Olson committed. Um, he had a little bit of trouble in the seventh. He looked kind of gassed to me. And then Riley, as mentioned before, had another error. Um, I was curious, though, um, and we won't do this all the time just because it's not a daily podcast, but uh, I was curious why he was out there in the seventh with no one warming up just because, and not that he looked bad. I think Wright was pitching well, but generally speaking, you don't often see guys who aren't just completely dominating go into the seventh without anyone warming up or anyone ready to go. And I, I think he was in there for about a bat, a batter, maybe two uh, longer than he wanted to be because there was nobody warming up. And that was just interesting to me as a decision. Yeah. And it seemed like the Padres uh, made a concerted effort as the game was getting later to not let Kyle get the two strikes and they were swinging aggressively. He had, a, I think nine strikeouts earlier or throughout the game today. Um, and really, I, I agree in hindsight, they should have had someone warming up. I think the run that scored against him happened within a span of like four pitches. Like he yeah. got an out on one pitch, he gave up a hit on one pitch, and then he gave up a double on two pitches. And all of a sudden, you had given up the run, and and then they very quickly had to warm up the bullpen. Um, yeah, it would have been nice to have someone ready to go. But um, again, it's just another thing. All was well. It was three to one. They'd only given up the one run on the, the kind of the bizarre error on the throw from Contreras to Olsen. Um, and just you blink and all of a sudden it's tied. And, and this again, man, this team just they cannot <laughs> figure out how to get everything going in the right direction in so many ways. It, it's reminiscent of last year through the first four months. And maybe, maybe this team's going to tease us and, and maybe they'll win another world series. And we look back and laugh, but I just, I, I hesitate to continue to lean on 2021 as a crutch because what happened last year is just not common in baseball. Yeah, no, you're right. And uh, it was just kind of a comedy of errors from there in a lot of ways. And I will say shout, shout out to Jackson Stevens, who we mentioned before once, but he uh, got through the 10th without allowing a run, which usually means you're going to win. And the Braves didn't win because they couldn't score in the 10th. Um, the, the one strategy question that I have to ask you, because everything else kind of just happened, you know, the 11th inning got, got off the rails defensively with Swanson, Olsen, Ozzie, et cetera. Um, what did you make of the bunt to lead off the 10th? Um, yeah, I, I would be curious what the math is on that. I know, I, I think that the math might actually suggest that if you're tied in the bottom and you have a runner on second, uh, a bunt might actually like mathematically be the move. Um, because I think I saw that once and it kind of surprised me. It was, it, it, I think it's close. And I mean, I, I, I saw one win probability thing. I think it was from Brando or somebody on Twitter. And I went and looked it up and it was, it was right. Um, the expectancy, at least the winning expectancy, whatever you make of that number um, was about 82% before they bunted. And then it would have been about 81.7% if the bunt had worked. So ah. basically it would have been like almost net neutral, like a slight negative. Yeah. Um, but because of, because, because it became an out of third base, the, expectancy cratered as you might expect right um right I, I didn't you know this is one where it's like it's tough man it, yeah it's just so i'm very anti, i'm very i'm very anti-bunt in general 
and people got mad at me when I said this as well. I, I, I didn't hate it as much because of who was batting. It was Arcia, and I know there's stuff with me and Arcia, but I think objectively he is one of your worst hitters. And I think him, as someone who has bunted before, it's not like you're asking a guy who's like this big bopper to go up there and bunt. Like, this is a guy who's played middle infield and has bunted in his life. He knows what he's doing. It was not a good bunt, obviously. But I think because of the combination of situation and who was at the plate, both in terms of what his batting profile is and also his ability to bunt, I don't don't like it very much, but I also wasn't furious. That makes sense. Yeah, if they were going to do it, and of course, I mean, if you miss the game, he, he bunts. William Contreras got thrown out by a hair at third. I was confused as to why, if they were going to bunt, they should have had Guillermo pinch run for for Contreras. Yeah, that at was that base. was curious to me too. Like, if, if you're going to go ahead and do, it, and by the way, they actually moments later they ran Guillermo for Arcia, right. which made it like even more like head spinning. Because if you're going to if you're going to plan to do that, he should just be running for Contreras. Like right. I, I, that's. Right. Because again, like you're in a tie game, like that run, you win the game. It's a, it's a little, it's literally a walk off. Like I don't mm-hmm. know why you're not using Heredia. So yeah, maybe maybe that's the bigger question. Is like why is I'm not sure he beats the throw because it wasn't a good bunt, sure, but it would have sure. been close. Like Heredia is notably faster than Contreras. So. Right, or if you hit a fly ball to center field, and maybe you you know you have an opportunity to tag up with Guillermo versus Contreras, of course. Uh, Again, it's hindsight. It was curious in the moment. And I think everybody was just frustrated because, again, I mean, not only did the Braves have this this ridiculous runner on second in the 10th, but then they went into the bottom of the 11th and didn't score either. And it's like this team is allergic to winning in extra innings. I'm, I'm like fairly yeah. I'm fairly convinced. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they're down by four by the time they actually bat in the 11th. So, like, your approach is maybe different. You're trying to put something together or whatever. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's maddening. And to not score – you know, the math on not scoring twice in a row with a gifted runner at second base and no outs is pretty rough. Like you, you, you kind of stumble into a run on accident sometimes in that situation. So to have two, in a, two innings in a row, where you didn't score. It's not, it's not great. They did not execute that well, especially when you get the, you get what you need. Like if you're the home team, you, you get a stop quote unquote in the top of the 10th and leave it on the table. That's, that's tough. Uh, that's the, it's a worst case scenario. because just, just the frustration level because you become, as I mentioned before, you, you become an, you're an 82% favorite to win when the inning starts, Scott. Yeah. It's, like, when, uh, when the half inning starts, I should say. Half inning starts. It's, um, Once you get to stop in the top of the 10th, you're an 80-plus percent favorite to win, and, and then you lose by four runs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, Oof. it's just – I mean, the theme of this podcast, maybe the title should be Missed Opportunities because, I mean, this team is 16 and 19 in the middle of May – and I mean, it's not hard to argue that they would they would comfortably be a 2022 win team right now if they just would get out of their own way with some of these self-inflicted mistakes and errors and just silly things that are happening. It's just been uh, again, I mean, I know you don't want to sound spoiled. They won a World Series in October, but like it's just been a frustrating tough to watch first couple couple goes here for for the season man it's, it's just every night it's like okay what are they going to do tonight they're up four to one late how are they going to make this a tie game right <laughs> like it, it's yeah. just it almost feels like it's impending and again it, it's weird to get frustrated or complain about a team when they just had this magical world series run but it's just it's just one thing after another with this team they just can't seem to get over that hump yeah, and I bet I think you said it earlier, but I bet if you listen to a podcast from last year in like July, it would sound, it would sound a lot like this podcast. So, 
uh, just when yeah. we were uh, a little bit You're frustrated right. and a little bit baffled and all that stuff. And uh, DOB had this during the game today. They were until today, they were 13 and one when they scored first this year and uh obviously you're gonna you're gonna win more than you lose when you score first that's very implied but 13 and one is better than you would expect and then they lost today when scoring first so now they're 13, 13 and two in that situation it talks about all the stuff that we uh, wanted to get to in terms of like guys who are scuffling guys who are playing well um you know all eyes on ronald acuna and when he can come back this week but the schedule is as follows it's three games in milwaukee monday tuesday and wednesday then they're off on thursday and they go to miami so there are no home games this week um, for the first time in two weeks, they actually need a fifth starter or something on Tuesday. Uh, a good time to kind of say this out loud. Justin Toscano of the AJC reported kind of definitively this week that the Braves do view Strider as a starter long term, which is a question we were talking about last week a lot with myself and Eric and Chris Willis and others um, on Twitter and on this podcast, etc. Um, there is a debate going on there, but the Braves, at least in terms of their long term thinking, believe that he is a starter. Um, which is notable and maybe uh, revealing for Tuesday. They have not said anything yet as of this podcast. They did use the opener with him last week, uh, reportedly, again, by Toscano and the AJC, to kind of have Strider put in a good position while also getting some bulk innings from him. They could do that same thing on Tuesday. Um, I'm not asking you about this, Scott. What do you think they should do in that slot, um, both Tuesday and moving forward in terms of, like, there's this thought out there that I even talked about last week, like, maybe the fifth starter is just, like, opener plus Strider for a while. I don't know, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I think my preference is to have Strider as, as the fifth starter. Uh, maybe he isn't a guy who's going to routinely work six innings, but uh, I would I would give him the ball first and then see where the game is at after a handful of innings. Um, I guess if you want to do like Jesse Chavez and then, and then Strider, uh, I mean, me personally, I wouldn't do it that way, though I don't think I'm going to start screaming about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the stuff is just so good. He had, I think, one or maybe two appearances where he just didn't have great command. But other than that, I mean, the Padres had an inning against Strider over the weekend where I don't think they even made contact with the ball. <laughs> I mean, literally, he went through Machado, Hosmer, and I think Will Myers, and they might have fouled one ball off. Um, and he, I, I think he struck out the side or came close to it. Um, it he's just He's just so impressive. I would rather use him when the game is still in the balance. Again, last time we were on, we talked about how much I dislike using him when the game is out of reach. Like if it's a seven run lead or a seven run deficit, that's not the time to burn him. Um, But yeah, I would would give Spencer the ball first and and let him keep learning how to navigate a big league lineup two and three times through. That is the next big step of his, uh, his development and his progress. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if, if long-term he ends up being a starter or a reliever. Quite obviously, his upside as a starter is is very, very high. Uh, but if, if ultimately he becomes a really good reliever, there is, of course, a lot of value in that, especially in that hybrid role, uh, kind of in that role that Colin McHugh has had the last couple of seasons of his career now um, that can be a very valuable player on a winning ball team. Yeah, for sure. And I think that uh, Tuesday will be revealing. It doesn't mean that that's what they're going to do forever. But that is the first time, again, in two weeks that they've had to actually make a choice. This week, they could just use their five, use their four guys, I should say, across the five games they played. Um, but after a very cushy situation where you had two off days and no travel for seven days, uh, sorry, for eight days, uh, now you have to go on the road and uh, you have to use your fifth starter. So we'll see how they handle that on Tuesday. Um, as far as schedule is concerned, you know, Milwaukee is uh, a decent team for sure. 
Miami's a decent team for sure. Milwaukee's actually off to a pretty good start. I think Miami's like, uh, sorry, Milwaukee's like 21 and yeah, 21, 13 as we speak. They're playing right now. Um, they're actually playing Miami. So those two teams, if you want to do some scouting, <laughs> they're playing each other on Sunday. Yeah. Um, and the Marlins actually have a much better run differential than the Braves do right now, although they have the same record, at least close to yeah. it. So uh, none of those are easy matchups on the road for sure. And that's uh, that's a question. See how they perform. It's a more difficult slate than this week on paper. And uh, maybe that means that they'll, that they'll go out and go 6-0 and because they weren't supposed to win these games. Right. Know. Inevitably. Yeah. I think for me, the biggest hope and takeaway is that Ronald comes back and, yep. and is healthy, get over that groin injury. Uh, the Brewers, I, I don't know what to make of Milwaukee. I, I think quite obviously they're a good team. They've won 90 games a couple years in a row. Uh, though they, They've won a lot of games early on against Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and, and Chicago, who are like, well, the, the, the first two are like barely functioning big league organizations. Um, speaking of which, off tangent here, but the Pittsburgh Uh-oh. Pirates just got no hit and, and, won. Won, a, and won a baseball game. I saw that. Uh, that's uh, that is baseball in 2022 for you. Uh, they, they beat the Reds, of course. Again, speaking of, um, but getting back to the Brewers, uh, obviously they're a good team. They have some talent. Their, their starting pitching is really, really good. Uh, the Braves are going to see Corbin Burns again on Wednesday, last year's Ooh. Cy Young winner. Um, but they did beat Burns a weekend ago, um, and then they're going to face uh, Freddie Peralta, who I think was their game three starter in the playoffs last year, if I remember right. Um, and then uh, Adrian Hauser who is also good. So they have good pitching across the board, good bullpen. That's going to be a challenge. Um, day off Thursday, and then the Marlins, as you noted. Uh, the Marlins are an interesting team. They got off to a good start, and then I think I think they have a six-game win streak and a six-game losing streak, which is uh, uh, uncommon this early in the year. But nonetheless, we know that the Marlins are going to be a pesky team no matter what. Their offense has improved, and um, though the Braves have played well in Miami in recent years, you just have to hope that continues. Yeah, the last uh, two seasons for Corbin Burns, by the way, I believe he has uh, he has 291 strikeouts in like 210 innings or something ridiculous. Uh, he's very good at baseball. Yeah, uh, good. yeah I, I you know we'll see what they can handle this week. Uh, I've given up on projections at this point. I do have one uh, one trivia time slash uh, question for you before we get out of here. Um, unless you've cheated and looked at this already, I'm going to ask you: What do you think? On 538, which updates in real time. So this is right now at 4.30 p.m. on Sunday, May 15th. What do you think 538's playoff odds are for the Braves? Playoff odds. Um, like percentage to make the playoffs, I should say, to be clear. Let's see. They have the expanded playoffs this year with another yep. team. Um, I'm going to give you a, a benchmark to help you and uh, tell you the preseason, the preseason mark for the Braves was 81%. Okay. I'm going to say I was leaning towards 60% and that, that helps. I will say they are at 60%. 57%. Hmm. Pretty close. What do I win? Uh, hard respect <laughs> for me, Scott. Um, and also they are 26% to win the national league East on 538. Uh, of course, that's just one metric. And of course it's one snapshot in time, but uh, at minimum, we can all agree the Braves are in a worse spot now than they were six weeks ago. And that's okay. doesn't mean the season's over. doesn't mean that everybody needs to panic. But uh, when you go out and lose 19 year first 35, um, I guess a pretty friendly schedule, by the way, um, you know, it's an uphill battle from there. And we'll see if they can start making some runs here. You mentioned they've not, they've not won or lost three games in a row, which is uh, maybe not that crazy in this small of a sample size, but still it kind of tells you like it's just been one step forward, two steps back for a yeah. lot of season 
Um, they did have, they do have a couple stretches where they've lost four out of five, but never three in a row. So right now they have lost three of the last five. So if they lose again, it'll be four of the last six and we'll see. Um, also uh, of note for people that might like to watch the Braves that do not live in the area, i.e. Scott, Monday's game is on ESPN plus. So a little, little, little extra watching. Not, not only it's been a push, I should say. It's not an exclusive window like Peacock. And, uh, if you, yeah, I was going to say, if you if you gave an – actually, I thought the Apple broadcast – I mean, the, the booth was okay, but – No, the, the cameras are great. Yeah. The cameras are amazing. Like, when when do we get that, like, across the board for all professional sports? Because that was – When like, you have the money that Apple has. I that suppose. There you go. Yeah, second, uh, second biggest company in the world now. Just yeah. to uh, ease everyone's minds, the Braves do have at least one more – Apple game. I'm trying to look and see if there's more than one Apple game on the schedule. Uh, I believe it's only one more Apple game and no more Peacock games on the schedule right now. Uh, the Apple game is June 3rd in Colorado. So it's already a late game. That's a Scott, that's a Scott Coleman special on June yes, 3rd. Uh, that recap ready. It's like a 9 p.m. start or something like that in Colorado. It's an Apple game. Yeah. But everything else, this is kind of a it was an outlier weekend when the Braves went uh, Apple TV. Uh, FS1, now granted, Bally had a game on Saturday too, but it was Apple TV, FS1, Peacock, back to back to back. Uh, <laughs> tough scene for the uh, watching public about yeah. all that. So anyway, Scott, please tell people where they can find you and find your work, anything you got going on that you're always writing and doing stuff. Yeah. Thank you everybody for tuning in. We really do appreciate all the support. Uh, let's hope the Braves uh, start to figure out a few things here, but as always, check out the site, batterypower.com. Uh, lots of good stuff, minor leagues, major leagues, day-to-day all that. Chris Willis does a great job running the ship. Uh, and always good to be on with you, Brad. It's uh, It's been a little while, but um, it's uh, for you. I know it's a little bit of a calmer time of year with with no Atlanta Hawks coverage, at least for another couple weeks. Well, I, you shouldn't say uh, no. They're, uh, it's no games, if nothing else. That's No that's, games, right. That's, that's, grind, that is helpful for planning purposes. Uh, yeah. I don't have to be dialed in. But listen, there's a, there's a game set happening right now in the NBA that I'm watching as we record this. Uh, nothing ever stops for me, Scott. No, uh, it's a it. it is a good time as a sports fan though you have baseball it is. Uh, you have basketball playoffs hockey playoffs nfl you have the draft you have i think camp opens up in a couple weeks i think and we're not that far away from from all those uh you know college and nfl so it's it's a good month maybe not the best month of the year for sports but it's it's up there it is something um everybody should be following scott on twitter at cyclone 55 you can follow me if you'd like to at bt roland Follow the site on Twitter at Battery Power SBN. And uh, one more time, please subscribe if you enjoy the podcast on Apple or Spotify or Stitcher. Any of those places that you like to find podcasts, we should be there. Also, we have a YouTube presence with the uh, YouTube TV show hosted by Grant and Corey. Uh, we have written content, all that fun stuff, Red to Atlanta and Daily Hammer on the same podcast feed, five-star reviews, all that stuff. We really appreciate all the support. As Scott said, we'll be back again on the flagship, which is this podcast uh, next Sunday, probably. But in the meantime, you will definitely hear Daily Hammer and Road to Atlanta in the coming days. So uh, we'll see you all next time.
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.